Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now John Dugan, and he played Grandpa Sawyer in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hey, John, how are you doing? Huh? How are you doing? Okay, like I said, I've been getting over a cold, but... uh... (laughs) Now yeah. it's just a bunch of shit coming up. I feel okay, but it's like, ugh. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that. Oh, allergies, I'm assuming? Uh, oh, yeah, this is Tennessee. Allergies are just ah. rampant. <laughs> Anymore in the Tennessee River Valley or the Cumberland River Valley. Or... Yeah. It's, Makes uh, sense. It, no, like Knoxville <laughs> is uh, last year had the highest. Uh, the worst allergies in the country, you know, ah. the highest, whatever rate it is, you know, allergy yeah. rate. <laughs> so how did you get your start into acting? Uh, high school. Nice. Uh, I, I did a, uh, we had a dress code back then. You know, you had to wear a shirt with a collar on it. You had to keep your, Care about your eyebrows, off your ears, um, and uh, the drama club. In the, the speech and drama teacher was doing a children's play. Mm-hmm. It was a period piece. You know, it took place in like the I don't know thirteenth century or some shit. You know? Right, <laughs> children's play called "Secret Within the Walls." Nice. And she put out the word because she always had a hard time getting men or boys, you know, to come mm-hmm. audition for a place. She brought the word that anybody, any man who got, uh, or boy, mm-hmm. who got cast this play wouldn't have to get a haircut for like six weeks. So more, <laughs> more guys <laughs> got that audition than ever in the history of the drama club. And uh, I got the lead part. Nice. And I was just, you know, it was one of those things where I was on stage when the curtain went up, and that was it. I was hooked. Nice. You know, when that curtain, when the curtain opened, and there I was, and the and the audience, you know, full audience of Mm -hmm. parents and friends, you know, Uh, and I thought, oh man, it was just a rush to me. (laughs) So. uh, uh, that's how I got hooked on it. And then uh, I had not decided what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I didn't really want to go to college. Right. I had enough. After 12 years of school, you know, I fucking fuck it. You know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, my girlfriend at the time was looking at art schools in Chicago. And there was a catalog for the Art Institute of Chicago, and I was flipping through it, and in the very back of it, there was about three or four pages about the Goodman School of Drama at the Art Institute of Chicago. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a drama school. And uh, so I wrote to them, and I got uh, an audition, and uh, got in. Perfect. Nice. So I was there from 71, 72, and 73. Nice. And then uh, I did theater in Chicago. My uh, sister was married to a, a film writer, 
-hmm. in Texas, who happened to be Tim Henkel, who wrote right. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I was doing another children's play <laughs> for the summer uh, <laughs> at the Goodman in Chicago. Uh, two shows a day, six days a week for like $175. Wow. <laughs> Which is like $12 a show or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Kim called and he asked if I was crazy. I said, sure. What do you need? And he, and he told me, so I quit the show and I went down to Texas. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, all she wrote, man. Nice. So what was your audition like for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> I didn't have to audition. Nice. I just showed up. <laughs> nice. Nice. So how old were you when you started, the, when you did the, uh, the film? 20. 20. Nice. Yeah, I was the youngest cast member playing the oldest character. <laughs> so being the youngest cast member playing the oldest character, I'm assuming they had to do a lot of makeup work to transform you into Grandpa Sawyer. So how did they yeah. make that happen? Uh, well, the guy who designed my makeup was a hobbyist, really. Uh, it was mm -hmm. something he puttered with. He was a plastic surgeon in Austin. He was also an artist, a photographer. He was a, a photographer for Penthouse Magazine for many years. Okay. Uh, and uh, Marilyn Burns knew him. I think he'd done her okay. tits. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure he did her tits. <laughs> he did everybody's tits that worked in his office. Did them. Wow. Some of the women that worked for him. Jeez. But... Um, so he did it. He he. So he took a uh, a mold of my face mm -hmm. and made a face mask. Uh, you know, a life mask of me. Right. Then uh, with sculpting tools and wax and everything, he uh, he aged it. You know, and he right. said, if I ever got to be 115 years old or however old I was supposed to be, well over 100, that I'd look like that. Was kind right. of creepy. <laughs> and then so he made a couple masks out of it which were then cut into sections mm -hmm. and um, applied uh, to my face in uh, okay. sections and glued down with spirit gum which is awful yes. and this was Texas in August Scotty <laughs> so, probably really hot oh god it was fucking butt awful man oh, I can imagine uh, ouch so what was the best part about filming the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and what was the worst oh the best part was making lifelong friends you know mm -hmm. people talk and see to this day yeah. you know uh, even my ex-brother-in-law my late sister's ex-husband uh, you know I just uh, mm -hmm. went to uh, he let me stay in his beach house and and uh, Porter Ramses, Texas, on the Gulf of Mexico two years ago. Nice. After I recovered from cancer, he, you know, he called me and said, I don't, you know, when you feel well enough to travel, I want you to come down. Mm -hmm. I mean, such a sweet man, you know. Yeah. So that was the best part was really the lifelong acquaintances and friendships I made. Yeah. Learning about film, mm -hmm. which I knew nothing about. I knew a lot about theaters, <laughs> but I knew very little about film. Yeah. Uh, 
So I really, more than the, the most, you know, so I hung around a lot when I wasn't acting. I was working as a production assistant and grip kind of character, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, just to learn, you know, how it's done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that was really valuable. And then I worked in film for behind the scenes for years in Chicago. Okay. Because I'm having an electrical uh, grip and dolly grip and all right. and gopher, that sort of thing. Uh, the worst part was the hours and the heat, I'd say, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. And the work conditions were just terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, the. In, had it been a, 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 a SAG film, a union film, they would have shut us down, uh, no doubt. Yeah. So what was the most memorable moment about filming uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, a couple of things. One was meeting Paul Partain, who played Franklin. That was the first day I was on set. And I was on a red eye from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Got in at 6 a.m. Didn't pick me up. And he goes, you want to go home and get some sleep? You want to go out to the set? They're getting ready to start. I said, no, take me out to the location. <laughs> you know? And I was there all day. And I sat. And Paul was sitting. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a wonderful actor and a great guy. So funny and so sweet. Mm-hmm. He was sitting, he had about four or five like holding launchers, and he had uh, set him up like in a semicircle around his wheelchair, and he was just sitting all alone in his wheelchair. <laughs> 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 nobody was sitting at the old station, there was nobody. He never broke character, nobody could stand him. You know, he was so fucking irritated. The character, <laughs> <was> whining, <laughs> and, yeah, Sally, you know. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> give me the keys. Oh, give me the keys. No, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. <laughs> so nobody would sit with him. They they thought he was just an irritating fuck, you know. And he was a really nice guy. And he had this big Cadillac. I think it was a 67, 66 or 67 Cadillac convertible, white, red leather interior, huge fins on it, big long. Big, long fins. The kind of if you were riding a bicycle behind it and the person hit the brakes, you'd be dead. You know, you'd yeah. be impaled on those fucking things. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, and the truck was open, and there was a huge cooler in there. The kind they use on construction sites, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was filled with bottles of Coke. Dr. Pepper and uh, tall boy cans of Budweiser. <laughs> I said, uh, so I don't know, have a seat, Parker. Told him who I was when I was doing there. He goes, yeah, grab yourself something to drink. So I opened up that cooler and there was a can of beer and I'd been on a plane all night. So I opened up a can of beer at seven in the morning, sat with him, you know, and watched yeah. him work. I watched everybody work all day. Absolutely, yeah. Never so, um, what was most, Toby? You know, to most people, being on a film set would be extremely boring, but to me, it wasn't, you know. <laughs> so, what was Toby Hooper like as a director? Yeah. <laughs> what was I that? Knew, 
you know, but, you know, he was no help to me at all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's no love lost between the cast and Toby Hooper. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, because he pretty much deserted all of us when he hit big in Hollywood. He never, you know, hired any of us again except for Lou, Lou Perryman. Right. But his uh, uh, AC, he was the first AC. And, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, he used uh, he used Lou in several things, but uh, the rest of us, you know, he kind of took all the credit for himself. Like he was yeah. a genius, and you know, we didn't work our asses off on him. Mm, makes sense, though. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah not right. Last time I saw him, Scotty, I got an anecdote. Yeah. We're in Hollywood, and. Uh, Mm-hmm. My agent had called and said, uh, uh, something. Oh, he, when he was directing Salem's Lot, the, the miniseries mm-hmm. for television with uh, David Soul. Right. Um, my agent had the breakdown on the, you know, all the, char- the character breakdown. And he said, John, you gotta you gotta call Toby and make an appointment. There's like because there was a lot of young people in that film. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the heroes are kids. You know? right. And I looked about sixteen when I was twenty some years old, you know, twenty-five years old, like really young. Right. And uh, so I made an appointment to see Toby. And I went over to Laura Mar Films to the uh, which was the old Warner Brothers lot mm-hmm. in Burbank and uh, uh, I had made an appointment with him, so I got in, you know, I got past the security and went to his office, and he wasn't there, and his assistant said, he should be back anytime, John, he's uh, he's at lunch, you know. So I waited for about 20 minutes, and she goes, I don't know, and this was before cell phones, you know. Right. She goes, I don't know where he is, he should be back any minute, and about 20 minutes later, she said, John, I'm so sorry, I don't know what to tell you, and I said, okay, you know, so I'm leaving. And he was walking across the lot, some other guy, hmm. some director guy. And uh, I said, hey, hey, Toby. And he was in front of me with his back. And uh, he turned around and went, oh, hey, yeah, John. And I said, uh, you know, we had an appointment, one o'clock appointment. He goes, oh, yeah. He said, I'm sorry about that. You know, I was thinking about all I have is $50 a day extras, you know, available yeah. in the film. Which was just a lie, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't. I didn't figure he'd want to be a fifty dollar extra, fifty dollar day extra. Would you? I said no, I wouldn't, Toby. And uh, that was it. I walked away and never saw him. Again. Wow. Yeah, what a dick. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't have to worry yeah. about him doing me now because he's dead. But... <laughs> right. Wow, that's insane. Do I, I... sound bitter? Huh? Do I sound bitter? <laughs> no, like I mean, you're definitely like in the right. Like what you know, why you feel that way? Because I mean, it seems like like all the fame and the you know went to his head, so to speak. Like you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would be very bitter about that and very like you know upset about that as well. I mean, if somebody were to treat me like that, you know what I mean? Like, like I never heard of such a thing like that. Like somebody being like so ignorant like that. Somebody that's been in one of the big biggest movies, you know. 
It's crazy. Yeah. He, uh, I was in his office one time. I was trying to get into a uh, contract program at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kim was trying to help me and, and uh, I went over to see them. And Kim wasn't in the office, but Toby was there. You know, so I sat down and just started talking to him. He's sitting at a big desk. I'm talking, sitting next to his desk, talking to him. And he opens up his desk drawer. I probably shouldn't tell them that, don't you? And he pulls out a cosmetic jar, opens it up, and it's filled with cream. And he gets out a, a little spoon, and he takes two huge fucking hits of his Coke, and then puts it away without even offering me any. That's what kind of <laughs> And that is, in drug etiquette, that is really rude. Right. Wow. You know. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. So what was it like working with Marilyn Burns and Gunnar Hansen? Oh, God, they were wonderful. Marilyn, and, you know, they're both gone now. Yeah. She and I were really close friends. Gunnar and I were very close. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked for them over the years on missions, you know, personal appearances. Mm-hmm. But, um, they were both marvelous actors and, and mm-hmm. smart, funny and Marilyn was the hardest working woman. Good Lord, did we put her through hell? We put her through hell. <laughs> you know, she was beat up, bruised, cut. Yeah. You know, she. You know, her voice was shot from screaming. I mean, yeah. She put the scream as scream queen, man. She screamed for three fucking weeks. Yeah. And, uh, rarely complained. You know, sometimes you know. Yeah, when I think of an original, original Scream Queen, I do think of Marilyn Burns. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question I got for you, um, do you have any projects or appearances that you like to promote to the listening and viewing audience? Well, I'm just starting to get on the road again. The, uh, yeah. the uh, convention and personal appearance scene is starting to open up again. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't work for a year and a half, I guess, or something. Right. Over there. Yeah. Uh, and before that, I was suffering from cancer and then recovering from cancer. And so, you know, it had been a, a few lean years, you know. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but now I'm getting back on the road. So, you know, I keep an eye on my Facebook page to see where my appearances are going to be. Awesome. And we're working on trying to get a film called The Blues Man up uh-huh. and filming this year sometime. And it's about the legend of... Uh, Robert Johnson and selling his soul to the devil at the crossroads to be able to play the guitar. And uh, so it's a horror film and a blues film at the same time. Original music, some Robert Johnson music, some live, some recorded, you know, because it's a a period. Mm -hmm. It takes place in the past and in, in the present. So, okay. The scenes in the past, uh, there's a lot of scenes that take place in old honky tonk, you know, mm-hmm. a little uh, juke joint sort of place, you know, <laughs> and uh, with a great blues band that right. uh, managed to put together. So I'm really looking forward to And I play the owner of a pawn shop in this little town. Okay. 
who ends up getting uh, Robert Johnson's guitar from a couple of grave robbers. And uh, they find out somehow what is worse. And they decide to double cross the devil because he's offered, he offered him $50,000 to dig him up and get that guitar. Right. Once they found out it was a lot more than 50, it was worth a lot more than 50 grand. They tried to screw them, which is a bad fucking idea, Scotty. Mm-hmm. You don't mess with Satan like that. You know that. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like good. That sounds like a good movie. I would like to see that for sure. I think it's going to, uh, I think it's a natural. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I thank you, John, for joining me. Oh, no problem, man. Yeah, it's been an honor. I mean, I've been a fan of yours ever since, you know, obviously watching the original Texas Chainsaw. I mean, I interviewed also uh, one of your co-stars, Alan Danziger, um, a couple oh, of yeah. months ago. How so is he? He was a really nice guy. He was He's actually going to be in my part of Pennsylvania, uh, I believe, in September. So that's actually pretty cool. A drive-in theater? Yep. Yep, the Mahoning. Yep. Tonic or some shit like that? I think something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to be there sometime in the next few months, too. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's my part of Pennsylvania. I live in Maryland now, but I'm in that area of Pennsylvania. I'm maybe like, maybe I'd say 35 minutes away from there. Yeah. Everything's kind of mushed together in that part of the country. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, Park, you know, Pennsylvania, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I thank you, John, so much. Huh? Yep. Well, I thank you for joining me. It's been an honor. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. Oh, thanks, guy. Thank See you. Ya. See ya. Bye, everybody. Bye.